The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of digital media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. Ignatius Press and the Augustan Institute present The Formed Book Club. Catholic book lovers unpacking good books chapter by chapter. If you like us, please help us by subscribing and by reviewing us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might listen. And don't forget to sign up for weekly updates and study questions at formedbookclub.ignatius.com. Welcome to the Formed Book Club. We continue to discuss The Spirit of Liturgy by Joseph Carl Rassinger. Last session, uh, we discussed Chapter 4, Section 2, on the reservation, basically, of the Blessed Sacrament in the Tabernacle. But after we stopped the recording, uh, Vivian told us a little story, which I think we should start this session with, because any people should hear that. We're talking about people who have been drawn to the church by the presence of the Eucharist. So tell us that story again, Vivian. Well, I had been in Catholic churches, as I said in the last session, and came to understand the tabernacle light, that there's someone home, something there that isn't in other churches. And one night I was driving home late at night, about 10 o'clock, and I was talking to Jesus in the car about, should I become a Catholic or no? And and out of the corner of my eye, I saw a red little light. And I thought, that must be from a Catholic church. So I pulled a U-turn, and there was this big modern Catholic church, not the most attractive thing in the world, but it had these big pane glass windows facing the road. And I could see, oh, sure enough, there's a tabernacle and the little flame, and I'm going to see if the doors are opened. I went up, the doors were opened. I went in, it was complete darkness inside. I knelt, I prayed, and yes, I felt the Lord telling me, yes, you're to become a Catholic, and so on. I got up much consoled. Well, years later, I drove down that road at night to see if I could catch a glimpse of this tabernacle night, and you can't see it unless you full, fully look this way. So how that happened is a miracle. And then I met the pastor of that parish, uh, who was parish pastor at that time this happened to me, and I told him this whole story, and he said, that's remarkable that I didn't lock the church that night and that the doors were opened. So another miracle. So I just want to emphasize how important it is that Catholic churches stay true to themselves and keep those tabernacles and keep those tabernacle lights burning where people can find them and see them and be invited to go into pray because it changes lives. Amen. Praise Amen. God, as they say. <clears throat> All right, Chapter 5, Sacred Time. We should talk here about how liturgy uh, unites history and cosmos uh, and how the church, the liturgy, sanctifies the day, sanctifies the week, sanctifies the year. And I would say, in a certain sense, uh, makes chronos into kairos. Chronos is a Greek word for time, so is kairos. Chronos means like, you know, 2.32 and 12 seconds. Kairos means your birthday. Uh, they're both instants in time, but one of them is just a question of mechanically marking the rotation of the Earth or its revolution around the sun. The other one is marking an event which has a special significance. Mm. All right. Uh, page 126. Uh, 
This is beautiful. I'm, I'm going to kind of skip around here, but eight lines down. Christ is himself the bridge between time and eternity. I'm just going to unfold that in here, but uh, down a couple of lines. The eternal one himself has taken time to himself. In the sun, time, that's what we're living in, coexists with eternity. In the last paragraph there, all time is God's time. That is, exists in him who is eternal. On the other hand, as we saw above, the time of the church is a between time, between the shadow, which is the Old Testament, and the reality, which is uh, eschatology, which is heaven. We live in the image. And so a special structure demands a sign. A time specially chosen and designated to draw time as a whole into the hands of God. So that's a beautiful foundation way he's going to say that uh, the liturgy is a way that in our in-between time, we're drawn into the end time, which is eternity. Can I just say a little something? Go ahead. Because you mentioned the word chronos, which I haven't, I haven't been thinking about. And there's that expression in Greek about chronos eating his children. Yes. Meaning that we age and we die, you know. But here, chronos feeds his children. So that while though we age and die, we live forever. I mean, I just never thought of that before until now. And I just had to. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, then five lines on the next page. Typical rasker. What is time? You know, and of course, as Augustine well said, if you don't ask me, I understand it. But if you ask me to define it, I can't do it. Uh, he's not going to go into that philosophical reflection in any great depth. But a few lines down, he says, the first thing to say is that time is a cosmic reality. For us, how do we measure time? Well, hours and minutes. What does that mean? Well, hours have to do with how we divided up the, the you know rotation of the Earth. Uh, can, so can, can, it, can, I, can I make a quibble here, though, Father? No. <laughs> Let's well, go on. I don't want any quibbles. Oh, no quibbling. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm mindful of our discussions on on on, uh, yes, um, on 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 physics when we were together at RVMU University last month or six weeks ago, whatever it now was, because there, there's actually there's, there's the, his 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 terminology is not uh, as tight as it needs to be here because he talks about uh, time being a cosmic reality, uh, and then but he, he then reduces it to the orbiting of the sun by the Earth. Um, uh, in other words, time as as we experience it terrestrially, not cosmically, right? Because obviously, time at the other end of the Milky Way is is not measured in 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 that manner. This is the way that we experience it directly from oh, our. Oh yes, planet. it is. Oh yes, it is. Oh yes, it is. This, this only we can measure time in the universe. No one else in the universe can measure it. We're the ones that measure it, and that's why we say. When did the universe begin, the Big Bang? 13.4 billion years ago. What does that mean? We measured in years. So the only well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to go off on this long tangent, which will take us off topic, obviously. But, but there's a difference between that which is and the measurement of it. Um, and what I'm saying is, is that, that, that the reduced the discussion of time by the sun and the earth and how long it takes the sun and the moon to revolve around uh, the Earth, the moon to revolve around the Earth, and the Earth to revolve around the Sun is that's that's a terrestrial experience of time. Um, but the thing itself is is it, it transcends the the our our own solar system. 
<clears throat> what is time in itself apart from measurement? <laughs> well, I, I, I certainly um, uh, uh, know that irrespective of whether we measure it, it happens. It does happen. But the word time, as Aristotle said, is the measure of motion. Time is the measure of motion. So it basically, there'd be no time <laughs> if we weren't there to measure it. Is the tree falls in the forest? We, is there a sound or not? Uh, I know what you're saying, that the succession of events takes place whether we measure that in seconds or, well, <laughs> what else are you going to measure it in? Uh, how, how do you want to? I mean, did, 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 did time unfold before the first human person experienced it? Yes, it did. There was no, there was no time in the sense it wasn't measured. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we're crippling that definition here. But the, you can't. Well, you can't. I mean, how, how, would, how would you describe time before it's measured? How would you, how would you describe it? Well, actually, we know we're here to describe it, but, but, but God, God, God would be in the presence of time prior to that. And perhaps things such as insects, if we're going to take uh, you know a, a certain view of, 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 of creation, uh, insects were here before we were, uh, uh, and they'd be moving around and doing things. There'd be no one here, no one, no one except God to observe them. But it wouldn't mean they weren't doing it. But but it wasn't being measured by anybody. Well, that's irrelevant. What's your question, Father? Does a tree make a noise if it falls in the forest and no one hears it? Yes, it does. Well, I ask you, what, what what time is it? What time is it? It's two forty-four. What does that mean? <laughs> is the I have a question. Is the motion that Aristotle referred to in your definition is the motion between existence and non-existence? So, is that the motion we're talking about when we're talking about measuring the time of a man's life? You know, is the actually the time between he exists and then? Well, we believe in eternal life, but once you're in eternity, you're no longer in time. So, well, so is time well, our well, measurement well, of our existence, our measurement of our experience of existence? Isn't that what time is? Yeah, I mean, I'm really regretting having brought this up because obviously we're now 10 minutes into the show. We're I, just I know, but now I'm curious as to what is this all about because I never thought about this before. And now I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure it out now. And I wasn't even well, thinking well, about the, it before. Started, you know, first it started, Master is his fault because he asked the question, what is time? And then... Joseph wanted to quibble about sun and moon, but I he said that that's not how time is. That's not the what time is the other end of the universe or the galaxy. Well, ah, but Rotzinger says it's the course of the sun and the moon leave its mark on his life, meaning right. that's how we yeah, measure I, I, time. I, I, that's what your point was, down. right? He says, he says that time is first of all a cosmic phenomenon. Man lives with the stars. The course of the sun and moon leaves its mark on his life. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I that, that I'm very happy with the way that paragraph concludes. I just think it's unclear the, 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 to say that time's a cosmic reality which is defined by the sun and the earth. Um, it's, it's, it's very well. Again, give me an example of some other time on the other side of the universe. How how, how would you measure it? What, what's your what's well, your I, measure? I don't, I, don't, I don't think that I mean, it's is is beauty something which exists in the object, or is it something which only exists because we behold it? I think it exists in the object, and, and, if, and if, we, if we don't behold it, it's because we're blind or we're not there, but it still exists in well, the object. If, if it exists and it's a material thing, uh, what? how do you measure it? 
Well, it's not a material thing. Beauty is a transcendent thing. Time's a transcendent thing, but still is. We're, we're realists. We believe in the, the reality of things that are not merely material. Oh, I don't, I don't think time is a transcendent thing. I think time is a very material thing. It's entropy. Mm-hmm. No, no, the entropy is something that's why, that's why, that's why there is no time. It happens in time. It's not time. Well, <laughs> how do you measure time? Well, we go around in circles. I'm saying the measurement of something is not the same thing as the thing itself. Well, then I want to know how you define the thing itself. I'm not sure that we can define the thing itself because I think it transcends our ability to do so. No, but I do think that, I do precise, think that reducing, precisely reducing the cosmos to, to, to the orbit of the, the Earth around the sun does not do the cosmos justice. Oh, it does because... We're the highest thing in the cosmos. You don't don't get don't get overawed by the size of the cosmos. Not the size. Not the size. It's the reality. Is is Father's <laughs> point that time is the measurement, like speed, like speed right. is a measurement of something. It's also a measurement of movement. Like yeah. what's yeah. the ratio that you measure speed? Movement right. over distance over yeah. time, right? Yeah. So, time over di- time over distance right. or distance over time is the measurement of speed. So I see what Father's trying to say that the word time is like the word speed. It's, it is the measurement of that thing. That if thing that you're measuring is not the time. About, if, you're to, if you're trying to define it in terms of motion, then I understand what Father's saying. Uh, but then, as long as we have an understanding of it, if you like, geometrically, mathematically, as something objectively uh, real, as opposed to something which is subject to our doing it. We'll return to the Forum Book Club with Father Joseph Fessio, Vivian Dudreau, and Joseph Pierce in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. 
If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to the Formed Book Club with Father Joseph Fezio, Vivian Dudreau, and Joseph Pierce. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's true if you, uh, you go back to Kantianism, very subjectivism, where he says that actually space and time are categories that we impose on experience, but there's no space and time outside of us. The, the, the noumenon, that's a phenomenon. The noumenon is the thing in itself we can't get to. Well, I'm not a Kantian, okay? Uh, but but the, the universe uh, goes from alpha to omega. That that's a we don't we we know the alpha more or less. We leave the Big Bang. There may be something before that. We don't think so. But uh, the 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 omega we don't know yet. There's there's a an extension. Time is an extension, right? Uh, but if we are going to talk about it, we have to refer to it as something. You could say, I'm going to define a, a gook as the rotation of Venus on its axis, you know. But if I want to understand that, I would say, well, how many hours in a gook? You know, I mean, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't describe it to anybody unless I referred it to something which is our measurement of time. But in any event, how, wherever this goes, uh, we do know that on our planet, uh, we measure time in seconds, and hours, minutes and hours and days and years and so on. And we also, at least in the Western part of the world, measure it from uh, years. We measure it from Christ's birth or what we think was Christ's birth. All right. But he talks about the sun and the moon, two rhythms, two rhythms here, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I love that, that, that sentence you quoted, Joseph. Man lives with the stars. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a great? Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful. It's also due that we're stardust. That's right. Uh, we're stardust. Uh, page 108, uh, about five lines down. The sacred space of the Christian worship of God. So the temple, let's say. Is itself already open toward time. How is that? Facing east means that when one prays, one is turned toward the rising sun. So. Again, there's another theme. This facing east is important because it unites us with the cosmos. The rising sun, which now has become a subject of historical significance. The rising sun has? Yes. Historically, it, it, it rises every day, so to speak, or you know, we see it as rising every day. But there was a day in which it rose, in which Christ also rose. And now we've linked the two. And so now uh, the rising of the sun has historical significance. Down a few lines. Thus, time and space are interconnected in Christian prayer. Space itself has become time, and time also has, so to speak, become spatial, as in inner space. Of course, you know, Einstein talks about space-time. It's one reality, right? And just as time and space intertwine, so too do history and cosmos. Cosmic time, which is determined by the sun, oh, um, 
No, I'm, 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 I just put a question mark there, but I'm saying, I've said what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> becomes a representation of human time and of historical time, which moves toward the union of God and the world, of history of the universe, of matter and spirit, in a word, toward the new city whose light is God himself. Thus, time becomes eternity. Eternity is imparted in time. So he would say another definition of time is uh, that through which we enter into gradually the eternal city. I mean, it's, it's not a measurement of the earth going around the sun. It's a measurement of our getting to God. Uh, so he talks about then that the Old Testament has a weekly rhythm and it has uh, feast days and so on as well. Uh, and on 109, he says, let's begin with the weekly rhythm. Uh, talks to the bottom of that page about the day of so, resurrection. Well, would, that, would, that, would that be the difference between Kairos and Kronos as well? The, 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 the ongoing rhythm, the weekly rhythm versus the feast days, which are specific moments within that rhythm. Would that be the Kairos Kronos thing you were talking about earlier? Exactly. And and so there's each week is a kind of a cycle and we have the days returning Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and so on. And those weeks are part of a larger cycle, which is the yearly cycle. And we have the feast days. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I have to say that's one of the beautiful things about the Catholic church that we have the cycle of feasts and weeks and everything. And the way the Jews did as well, because when you live your life outside of that, right? I've now been a Catholic so long, I can't imagine a life where I didn't have Lent and I didn't have Easter and I didn't have Advent, I didn't have Christmas. in order have Sunday either. And didn't have Sunday. And so every day is like every other day. And it's just totally arbitrary what I do with my time. You know, the fact that I've been given the order to order my life and order my time is a beautiful thing and such a human necessary thing. And a little parenthesis, we are recording this during Lent. Uh, the Lent reminds us that one of the best ways to stay healthy and fit is to fast when the church fasts and feast when the church feasts mm -hmm. and therefore learn self-mastery in moderation. It, it, it's much better than the, the, the keto diet, really. I mean, the keto diet can be inserted in there too, but if you live your life liturgically, mm -hmm. then you'll also be healthy. It's like... It's like, what if we didn't have Sunday? I mean, we, now we have the weekend. We, but that weekend, that that comes from having Sunday. Yes, there would be no weekend if there hadn't been Sunday right. first. Yeah, right. It's, and before that, the Sabbath on Saturday. Yeah, and and there are places in China where you work every day of the week. That's right. Right. That's well, the first thing communism gets rid of when it takes over a society. It gets rid of the seven day week with the Sabbath or Sunday at the end of it. It just makes every day like every other day and every hour like every other hour. Well, we've adopted that without even having a boot in our face making us do it. <laughs> and I, I, this is empirically verifiable that taking off Sunday and relaxing, spending time with the family and, and worshiping God makes you get more done in six days oh, than you would in seven. Definitely. You, you, we're, that's what the creation story is. Even God rested, you know. Right. Because like your law of entropy, there's also the law of diminishing marginal returns. Yeah. And at a certain point, you just have to stop and take a break and go back fresh. So. And I would say that just as we need a Sunday in every week, 
Uh, we need little mini Sundays every day, uh, time, for, time for quiet prayer, for mm -hmm. meditation. You know? mm -hmm. uh, it, it enriches what you do for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's see here. Oh, no, okay, we skip that. Page 110, 96. Uh, talks about Sunday. There are three different names for this day. So Sunday, seed from the cross, it's the third day, the day in which Christ rises. In the Old Testament, the third day was the day of Theophany. You you see that in Old Testament. In three days, this will happen. Three days, it will happen. Uh, it's also the first day of the week. And then he says, the fathers added another consideration, the eighth day. Because obviously, the week of seven days, Sunday, which is day one, is also day eight. But in a certain sense, day eight transcends the seven. It's, it's outside. So they saw the eighth day as sort of a symbol of transition from time to eternity. And now, he addressed, I mean, again, with his great courtesy, he, he is addressing issues which are very contentious. And one of them was, hey, wait a minute. You guys, have, you have Easter, you know, in the spring. And you have all this, this springtime imagery of flowers and new growth and green and life and vitality. And well, what about Australia? What about South Africa? You know, they're six months different from us. Right. Therefore, we should have Easter then in their winter time you know, or in their autumn. And we shouldn't have Easter the same day down there as we have it here. That was, that was, that was yes. enculturation. But I remember asking an Australian that question. Like, how do you how do you psychologically put Christmas in summer and Lent in fall and these different things? And she said, well, you know, God's what God created is so rich. We can find apropos symbols from our own lives here in Australia. So, for example, the fall is a time where, you know, things are going dormant and it's a time for reflection and it's a time for pruning and it's a time for things that happen. And so we just see Lent as a time for those things. And uh, so anyway, she said they've developed their own way. We don't have to change the whole calendar because we have Christians in the Southern Hemisphere. We can just keep the calendar the way it is and let God's richness unfold for them as they celebrate these things, which it is. Yes. And he's actually going to say something quite to that effect in the next couple of pages. Later on in this page, uh, Talks about the middle of the page about in the Mediterranean, the first day was considered the day of the sun. Day of the sun. I mean, the, the, you know, Zontag or Sunday uh, mm -hmm. is not a Christian name. That that predates Christianity. Although in the Latin areas, you've got Dominica or Domingo, day whatever. Of the Lord. That is the day of the Lord. So we we've we have you know merged that cosmic with history there. Uh, but in terms of pagan religion or simply non-Christian religion, Sunday is just the day of the sun. Uh, and he mentions here uh, a third factor was added the first day is the beginning of creation because, you know, we think of creation, God rests on the, on the Sabbath. Well, what does that mean? It means the day one, the Sunday, was the day he started the, the operation, you know. Uh, then... This is lovely on page 111 slash 97. Uh, 
Second line, Sunday thus explains the commission given to man in the kind of creation, subdue the earth. That is to say, we organize the week. This does not mean enslave it, exploit it, do what you will, with it what you will. No. What it does mean is recognize it as God's gift. Guard it and look after it as sons look after what they've inherited from their father. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful uh, ecology from Paul yes. Benedict. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll just make at the bottom of page one seven one eleven. Just a note here. He says it was to reflect the symbolism of the eighth day that people like to build baptistries, baptismal churches with eight sides. And that's I true. I wondered about that. Yeah. Why the old baptistries in Europe are eight sided. Now I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, let's see here. Passover, wander, oh, Easter controversy. There was this controversy whether we should celebrate uh, Easter on the 14th of Nisan every year. That is a date or whether you celebrate it on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that was there were there were really quite uh, vigorous arguments in those days. Mm-hmm. But, but it was it was uh, settled at the Council of Nicaea. Well at least it was decided. It wasn't settled until over time as it kind of worked its way into the life of the people. Uh, but let's see here. Well I just to say that the uh, the the solution they had, namely, it's the first Sunday of the first week after the vernal equinox. The first Sunday after, after the, the first, first full moon. Full moon, that's right. After the vernal equinox. Right, that's it. And and it usually is close to Passover anyway, right, right. but sometimes it doesn't fall exactly during the Passover. But now, doesn't the Eastern Church? Yes. Even, it says this was decided at the Council of. Nicaea, is that what it says? That's way before the schism. So why does the Eastern Church have a different calculation? Is that the no, Julian no, no. calendar? I, I think the Eastern Church has the same Easter as we do, I think. But they don't have the same Christmas. No, maybe you're right. I, well, I, think, I think they have the same Christmas as well. He, he, he discusses this here somewhere. He says he thinks it might have been just a difference in the calendars. Like, so for instance, let me give you an example of how this can be cause, cause confusing. I was, I was telling everybody uh, that um, that, that um, uh, Miguel de Cervantes died on the same day as uh, as uh, as William Shakespeare, because they both died on April the twenty third in sixteen sixteen. And someone pointed out to me at that time England was still not using the uh, uh, the Julian calendar. The Gregorian um, right? calendar, you mean? Four days apart. The Gregorian calendar. Sorry? England was still on the Julian calendar. Yeah, they hadn't exactly. adopted the Gregorian calendar. Exactly. Right. I beg your pardon, my terminology. So there, there's actually, they were, they, were 12, they actually died 12 days apart, but they both died on St. George's Day because they've used the two different parts of Europe, using two different calendars. So this, I think I think he says something about Easter. Uh, sorry, Christmas. That's the reason for it, he thinks. But, but I don't want to expose our mutual ignorance here. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the. Vernal equinox is the same, you know, whatever count, whatever dates you give it, it's at the same time for everybody on the planet. That's right. And likewise, the first full moon is the same. That's right. And therefore, the first Sunday after the first moon is the same. So I don't see how the Eastern Church could have a different Easter. Unless they're, unless they're not using, unless they're not using. I was talking about Christmas, not Easter. Right, they definitely don't have the same Christmas, and that that has to do too well, with yeah, even the way the Christmas yeah. feast. It used to be Theophany Christmas 
Epiphany and the baptisms of the Lord was all one holiday and it got divided up later. And that was January 6th. And that's Orthodox East uh, Christmas is yeah. January 6th. So that has a different meaning or reason. But I thought there are times when Eastern Orthodox celebrate different Easter. But, oh, yeah. Thomas they is do. saying yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, my friend would celebrate Greek Easter. My friend who was a Greek Orthodox, he would yeah. go for Greek Easter. It would always be like two weeks after our right. Easter. And so sometimes they all converge. I remember, I think it was during the pontificate of John Paul II, or maybe it was Benedict, where Passover... Western Easter and Eastern Easter all converged at the same time. And this was like one of these moments worth celebrating because we're all in like sync with one another. And there was, there has been some discussion, I think, in the East-West dialogue to get us on the same page for Easter. But I don't know all the details. But it went offline with the figure. So we don't, we know the phone line you can call us right now. So we got to check this out uh, because they must have a different, Definition than the first Sunday after the first full moon right. after the equinox because that that day it does yes. not change for anybody. and it may have to do with the Gregorian versus the Julian calendar as as uh, well no no that wouldn't make you're saying that wouldn't make a difference yeah. okay there is a difference we'll find out why I think it's a long chapter we're not going to finish this let it, let us call it here. Uh, and we will come back with the answer to this question. Yes, Father will have the answers next time. Everybody will have the answers. <laughs> all right. Thank you. God bless you all. If you enjoyed this discussion, please help spread the word about the Forum Book Club by subscribing to the podcast and writing a review. You can sign up for weekly updates at formedbookclub.ignatius.com.